0: that Paul takes to describing for us how blessed we are, how wealthy we are, and how we connect to each other. And We saw last week, and by the way, on Wednesday nights we're going through the book of Romans, and Romans and Ephesians are so similar and go through so much of the same stuff that this is just, I feel like we're in the Holy of Holies now as we're looking at both of these uh, books together. But Paul had been, last week he talked about Jesus being our peace. The fact that what Jesus did for us on the cross, if we accept Him, if we are in Christ, then we are those whose sins have been forgiven and can come boldly to God. The walls have been torn down, and as we saw last week, the fact that we can each come to Him and have peace with God also opens the door for us to be at peace with each other, because we have in common so much because of what he has done for us. Now, he continues along that vein in these last four verses in chapter 2 and talks about who we are collectively together, our connection to each other and really what the church is all about. And an awful lot of the book of Ephesians is talking to the church, now, the church, the Greek word ekklesia, the called out ones who assemble together, um, is used of the church as a whole, that is, all Christians who are in Christ, everyone who, who has accepted Jesus. And, and then it's used individually with kind of individual assemblies like our church as, as kind of a microcosm or a little picture of the whole big picture of what the body of Christ is all about. And to understand that and how we connect to that, Paul goes into great detail, but an awful lot of it comes down to this. Everyone on this planet is born with a, with a desire to fit in, with a, with a desire to find our niche. And an awful lot of what we go through in life and experimenting and trying different things and getting involved in different activities is all kind of a setup for us finding out where we fit. Where do I belong? How do I relate to others? What's my role? What's my calling in life? And Paul here connects all of us to the greatest thing ever, and that is the church, as he calls it earlier in chapter 2, the body of Christ. And how we understand the church and how we understand our individual connection within the church is the only thing that will ultimately help us to belong. But we see here in this passage that each of us belongs, and we belong together. We find our highest fulfillment as we see how we connect to others. And so beginning with verse 19, he says, and by the way, as we go through these verses, Paul uses three metaphors for the church. He's already used the metaphor of the body earlier in the chapter, but now he uses three different metaphors bang 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 all, almost a mixed metaphor where he talks about us being citizens of a of an entity the church he talks about secondly that we are a family and then thirdly that we are a part of a building a temple now therefore verse 19 you are no longer strangers and foreigners you're no longer out there alienated not fitting in not knowing where you belong but your fellow citizens with the saints, everyone who's been declared holy by the blood of Jesus, and members of the household, or literally family, of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So, he says, you need to understand your connection. First of all, it's like citizenship. And for them in those days, that was a big deal. If you were a Roman citizen, that was something to be proud of. Even before that, with the Greek empire and the greek city states they they understood the the value in patriotism and nationalism and so they they were made to feel really special because they were a citizen because they belonged when you're a citizen it separates you from people who aren't citizens it causes you to have a home though a place where you are connected and most everyone in this world has a hard time finding that place of connection but paul talks in many places about the fact that we are citizens of heaven. We're connected to each other so that we have found something that's worth living for and even dying for, because we understand that when we are together, there is something happening that's more valuable than just the sum of all of our parts. We're not just combined. There's something that we have joined ourselves to that's of huge significance and so not strangers not foreigners but we're fellow citizens with the saints with everyone who is a Christian but then also he says we're members of the household of God and that's an important metaphor for us to get also it's we become family we are related to each other citizens have a common loyalty citizens have a common defense Citizens have a common connection, but family is something even more than that because there's a common origin. There's a genetic connection. We are, we are close because of, our, because of our birth, and from birth it has been that, and so he likens the group of Christians as being the family of God, the household of God, and everything about family applies to the church. Everything you hate about family applies to the church, and everything you love about family applies to the church as well. But he says, you are family, and you have found a, a union coming forth from that new birth, coming forth from that, from that generation of life that was given to you when you accepted Jesus Christ, and that makes a real special connection. But then as he goes on, he goes to this metaphor of a building, And that is the highest expression, and really, of what we are as a church, because it gets the big picture. It doesn't just include who we are with right now, but it shows the plan of Jesus Christ to put us together into something that would last forever, and ultimately, he calls the building the temple of God. In other words, the place where people can come and meet God. God and know that God's presence is there, and witness what God is doing. And that's ultimately what we are supposed to be. And ultimately, as a local church, we should be a picture of that. The place where people come, and first of all, they're made to feel like they belong, they're invited in, they're offered citizenship. But more than that, we're family. And you are welcome to become a part of the family of God, but ultimately what we see and what we want to see God doing amongst us is that we will, everyone will find their place and we'll be fit in together so that the result will be not a, not a building, but a place where you can come and, and sense the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God, and the glory of God will be reflected in what we are collectively together as a dwelling place of God, as a temple. And so the church ought to be a place where people can come and sense God and meet God. And how thankful I am for the places where God has taken me and where from my first awareness of that connectedness of of the church of Jesus Christ that allows me to see, amongst all the rubble and everything else, but to see God is here and recognize His presence. Now, one of the things that you can tell from what he says in these verses is, this is a building that is in progress. The church isn't something that's already been built, and you can come and just, you know, attend. You're a part of it. But the building is now being built. Some of the elements of the building haven't even been born again yet. And we want to invite them to come and to meet Jesus Christ and therefore become a part of that which we ourselves are a part of. But it's in process. It's just happening. As, as you see, it's talking about this building and it says, the whole building is being fitted together together. And it's growing into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together. Now, the building has been going for a little less than 2,000 years since what Paul was talking about to the Ephesians. And it is still in process. And it's being built, but that's happening. It's important to understand that. But it's important to understand that each one of us has a place in that, in that building. The words in verse 21, where it says "fitted together," um, there it's tough to translate the Greek word that's there. You know, in in this in the New King James, it says "fitted together." In the in the Old King James version, I think it says. Fit, does anyone have an Old King James that says three words that it tries to describe this fitly formed together? I believe it says, um, "What the what's that?" fitly framed together okay but the the word is Paul invented the word he took three words and put them together it's the only use of the word well here in chapter 4 in the new testament and there isn't any extra biblical references to this word but Paul took three words and put them together one of the words means to be f- to fit one of them means to be joined and the other means to be picked out or selected Or, you know, um, found and assembled. And so the idea is each one of us, as a member of what God is doing, (laughs) He has a a perfect place for us. He picked us, as we saw in chapter 1. But not only that, He is shaping us and molding us so that we will fit in the niche that He has for us. Now, when it came to the temple in the Old Testament, they were given strict instructions not to be doing a bunch of hammering and sawing and chiseling there on the side of the temple. They were told to take the stones and form them to fit and number them and everything so that they would already know that they fit before they bring them to the side of the temple. And for us, we've found that God was working in our lives long before we knew it. He was working on us when we were complete heathens, knocking off chunks of us, teaching us things that we might need to know, preparing us for that time when we would be assembled, we would become a part of this construction. Now I, a week or two ago, I was taking a bunch of bookcases from one room and putting them into into my office so I could move my books in there. And I measured, and you know the the old thing, uh, measure twice so you'll only have to cut once. And But I measured them and did some quick calculations in my head, and I knew there was going to be plenty of room for those shelves, even if I allowed like 10 inches on one side. So what I did is I took the first shelf in there, and, and I put it about six inches from the wall because I needed a little space for a door to open. I put that shelf in there, mounted it in, got up and screwed it to the wall, so you know, earthquake proof, and then brought the next one in and the next one. I finally had the last one, and I knew it would fit in easily, but it was tight. It would kind of fit, but I couldn't get it in, and it was just frustrating. I spent like half a day, and finally I got the top of it in with it tipped back, and then I just thought, well, I'll just kick the bottom in, <laughs> and I'm kicking it and pounding on it, and I finally I got a big chunk of wood, and I stuck it on there, and I got a sledgehammer, and wham, and it fit perfectly. And, and the good thing is, I didn't even need to screw that one to the wall. If there's an earthquake, that's the last thing standing. But what God does is pick us and prepare us to be a part of what He wants to do, and I love that, and Paul is so impressed with that. Now he says, And this is the same thing that Jesus was talking about when he talked about the church. Remember over in Matthew 16 when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, "Ah, who do people say that I am? And they started throwing out different theories that people had and Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, and Peter didn't think this up on his own, it was obvious, but he just spoke up and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, take that smug look off your face. That is the right answer, but flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. My father did. And he said, you're Peter, which means a little stone, and upon this massive rock I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Now, that's what Paul's talking about here too. The work of Jesus Christ through the Spirit to build his church, and it can't lose. It will always become what he wants it to become. It will always be that reflection, that depiction of who he is. The fact that he's building it out of inferior building materials makes it even greater that it comes out the way it does. But ultimately, that's where the building's headed. Paul says, you're a part of it. Now, notice he said that Jesus is the chief cornerstone after saying that the foundation is built on the apostles and prophets. The chief cornerstone in those days, when they would start a building, they knew that they needed to start with something perfectly square and perfectly aligned because everything else is going to come off of its orientation with that stone. And so they would hone a a perfectly square or rectangular stone to be laid in the foundation line it up perfectly because they knew the foundation was going to follow that stone the walls were going to follow that stone then the building would also follow that stone this imagery of jesus as the chief cornerstone is used in the old testament in several places in the psalms over in isaiah but so the idea is the foundation is laid and that's jesus christ Everything else in the building needs to be in connection with or in relationship or in orientation to Jesus in order for it to be what it's supposed to be. But then next to him is the testimony of the apostles and prophets. Now, there are people today who claim to be apostles and prophets, and I don't quarrel with that as long as it's in a real limited sense. There were apostles in those days that were handpicked by Jesus Christ, they had to have witnessed Him after His resurrection, and they had apostolic authority. Now today, if a missionary wants to call himself an apostle because the word means one cent, I have no problem with that. Just don't tell me what to do and pretend like you have apostolic authority over us because you didn't, you haven't witnessed Jesus. You weren't one of the apostles with the capital A. And the same thing with prophets. There were prophets who originally delivered the word of god and then there are prophets who repeat and and share the word of god with others edification exhortation and comfort according to paul in first corinthians but there's a sense in which there was a certain prophetic ministry that happened originally whereby god gave the scriptures It was breathed through these men, and these were the prophets that I think he's talking about. So collectively, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, I take it as being the Word of God. The Bible is the reflection of what was given to those original apostles and prophets, and that's the foundation for everything else. Now, why is that important? Uh, To me, it's vitally important because I need to have some standard for truth. I need to have some kind of schematic to know how, what's the church supposed to be. What are each of us supposed to be like individually? Now, there are people who will go, yeah, but you don't even have the original documents of the New Testament, and some people argue over interpretation and blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that. What I choose is to believe that this book, all 66 books of it, is the inspired Word of God. I have to do that. To me, it would be foolish for me to look at this book and go, well, God's Word is in there somewhere, and I need to kind of pick and choose. Because as soon as I do that, as soon as I read something and I go, yeah, that sounds like God, I'll agree with that. And then I read something else and I go, nah, God wouldn't say that. That must not be God's Word. Now what happens? I don't have a standard of truth anymore. I don't have a measuring stick. All I have is a religion that I'm making up myself and God ends up looking a lot like me and I don't need a God who looks like me. I don't need a God who thinks like me. I need a God who tells me I'm wrong, who fixes what's wrong with me. And so for me, the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Word of God, I accept it all. There are parts of it I don't understand, There are parts of it that until I get to heaven, I probably won't understand. There are ways in which some parts of it fit together that I don't get. But I'm not going to mess with the standard. I'm not going to mess with this book. I'm going to take it all. And when I get to heaven, I'll be happy to plead guilty. Sorry, I believed it all. I thought you were telling the truth. Okay. And so what Paul is saying is, here's how the church is built. You have... A cornerstone Jesus Christ and you always keep one eye on him looking unto Jesus he is your standard and then the apostolic communication that's found in the word of God you use that as a guideline as well to help you to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ that by the Holy Spirit he will help you to become everything that God wants you to be now the building it's huge and it's important and, and exciting for me to understand that I am a part of the same building that the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself is a part of. and But I also want to stick with the way the foundation was laid. You ever see somebody's house that has a room addition? That just, and most room additions, let's face it, I don't even care if you have a professional architect design it. When the architect designed a house originally, it had a certain unity to it. As soon as you start doing room additions, it usually looks like it. You might as well just get one of those cheesy 10 ones and slap it on the back of your house because that's what it's going to look like is just add it on. Now, over 2,000 years, there have been a lot of people who made room additions onto the foundation. People come up with their own programs, their own schemes, their own ideas, and go, here, I'm going to put this out here but it looks like that. We need to stick with the word. We need to stick with Jesus. We need to stick with that which is foundational, that which is undeniable from scripture and make that our important things. But now our connection to each other is also determined by what we have received from what's been built before. Often we can get the idea that, you know, the church just kind of laid dormant. Jesus said he'd build it. But he waited until the 60s, the hippie movement, Calvary Chapel. And so you have basically a bunch of rubble, and then now the church is Calvary Chapel. But not all Calvaries, some of them are kind of weird. So just some Calvaries, and this is the building, you know, it's a big building. It includes everyone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, everyone who has received his forgiveness. And so this building that we're a part of is all over the world and all sorts of different representations. It includes any church that glorifies Jesus Christ and believes that he is God and died for our sins and rose from the dead. And I love that. I'm so glad that it's not just us. I'm glad that there's more to it that we are a part of something really significant. Not only that, historically, there are 2,000 years of church history that we are a part of as well. Now, you know, you look at church history and sometimes you see embarrassing things in church history. But you know what? That's okay. I look at somebody like St. Augustine, and he said and did some amazing things. God used him in a powerful way he also said some kooky things. That's okay. None of that matters anymore. Everyone now knows it's kooky. You know, we're a family of God. So you got crazy uncles and everything, but it's a, we're, we're a family. And, you know, I am connected to those great Christians in the Reformation, Martin Luther and John Calvin and people like that. The evangelists, of the last, you know, 150 years, guys like D.L. Moody and Charles Finney and and the the Wesleys and John, George Whitfield and Billy Graham and that's all a part of what God is doing to build a building that demonstrates who He is. Over the years, yes, you can go. well, Some of it was valuable, and some of it looked more like a add-on, and it ended up falling off the building. That's great, but Jesus is building and using us as a part of that so that we understand that we fit together, each of us being prepared and sized up and fit for the master's use to be a part of what he wants to do. And so it's true in our local church, and it's true in all the churches, and it's true in the body of Christ throughout history, and up until the day when Jesus returns to take his church home to himself, and it even includes the people who don't think he's going to take his church to himself, they'll find out too. It all fit together. Now, what does this mean to me personally? First of all, it means that God has a place for me. I don't ever have to feel left out of God's program. Oh, there may be places I try to fit in and I can't fit in, I go somewhere else. I, I must, there must be something else. I, I try certain things and they don't click. Well, okay, but it's like, well, when you assemble a puzzle, you don't start by going, okay, this is a picture of a little cabin by a lake. And you just look at all these pieces. Yeah, you need to look at the, at the cover of the puzzle to give you some idea of what it's going to be like and that's kind of like what when we look at the word we see ultimately when we look at Jesus we see what we're going to look like when he's done but then usually what we start doing when you're building a puzzle is let's get all the there's a bunch of blue skies, so let's get all the blue pieces together and let's see how they fit and then let's put all the brown pieces together because that's the cabin by the lake and And then we need to discern the difference between the blue of the sky and the blue of the water. And and we start sorting things out. And a lot of times that's what we're doing as the body of Christ. It's just as simple as that. We end up hanging around with people who are kind of like us. But then we realize so much of the key is when we find out how we can connect to those who are different than we are. Because those are the critical markings in the puzzle that will allow the picture to develop. And Paul's heart for the church, Paul's heart for the Ephesians is that as they discover who they are in Christ, that now they would also discover that they are designed to fit, that each of us fits together. And as we accept each other and as we accept differences, we accept things that don't look like they fit, and we realize everything's going to fit somewhere. Somehow, if it's really a part of his body, and now we're open for God to do the molding and shaping, and then to slide us into place, and every once in a while we discover a niche. We do something and go, that feels like kind of what it is, but that's not your final resting place. That's a partial discovery of something that you do, and when you do it, it felt like, that felt right. And then we continue to explore and to to be jostled around and have some edges knocked off of us and, and to get to a point where ultimately we'll slide in and know that we fit. But it's important for us to understand that we will fit and that everyone else does too. And that like a family, and everyone has a role in a family, but much greater than that, yeah, there are some pieces of the building that look weird. They look really strange that I go, I can't even imagine that you and I are in the same building. It's just because the building's a lot bigger than you think. And once you see it all fall together, and once you see ultimately what God does, that amazing awareness that we, that sets in, that lets us know, you know what? I was designed and picked out and molded and shaped so that God would put me into something that's going to last forever, that's timeless, that goes, that goes back for thousands of years, that will go forward until he returns, and that will stand forever to glorify him as a temple so that when people see the fit, they can sense God's presence. They can meet him themselves. And our calling is to invite others to be a part of our building. Our calling is to help others to see. And so as a local church, how this works is, hey, when people come here, we want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel invited. We want them to feel not, you know, the church isn't just a big pile of bricks. It's not just a big pile of rocks. And the object isn't to get as many rocks as you can and stack them up. No, there's fine adjustment that's going on. But as we come and meet each other, you know, sometimes we're uncomfortable being too close to people. And some people are nervous about being a part of the church because they don't like that closeness. It's kind of a threat. You know, there are some people who who come up and talk to you and they just get a little too close and it makes you nervous and you're like, okay, give me some space here. But Ultimately, we will find out that when we are in the place where it fits, that it's safe to feel close, that you feel empowered by intimacy, by being close to others, because you realize you are bound together to do something of eternal significance, that is, to represent and to, in, and to encase and, and to house the very presence of God to be a temple where the Spirit of God dwells, where people can see, I get it. And it's so important at a local church that people can come here and not feel like we're doing our own thing, but that they would come here if they're Christians and feel like, this is like home. I don't even know anybody and it feels like home because I can sense the Spirit of God here. I can sense that these people aren't, clicking up and not letting me participate but they're like hey slide in here maybe you fit if you don't that's cool too and i i have no problem with people picking and choosing trying different churches and everything because it's a big building somebody you're gonna have to find out where you fit and that's okay you shouldn't feel guilty i don't want everyone to be at our church i just want everybody to find the place where they belong and what god's word declares is You belong somewhere, and we belong together. We will only find where each of us belongs when we discover that we all belong. And when we can accept each other in that way, and when we can acknowledge that fact, and when we understand how we fit in with the bigger picture, what our calling is, then unity happens. Everyone knows that God wants unity. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, prayed several times for the church, make them one so that the world will know that you have sent me. And so, so often we go, okay, we need to be one. And often, you know, we try to gather everyone together and we are the world and let's gather and let's just be one. And those kinds of things just ultimately usually fall flat, because our unity doesn't come from us trying to be together with others. Our unity comes from each of us discovering our place. And and as we focus on the Word of God, as we study His Word, as we keep our eyes on Jesus as the chief cornerstone, it's amazing We stop worrying about what other people are doing in another part of the building. We stop thinking that our personal calling is to be God's demolition crew, to go branch out in other parts of the body and knock down walls that don't look like they fit. No, our job is to be building up that which God has called us to. Now, make no mistake about it. There is a place for correcting people who are in error. As long as you do it as a member of the family, as long as you go to them in a spirit of humility and with the word of God behind you and say, you know, we're family, we're a part of the same building, but here's what I see in the schematic, here's what I see in the word, and have you ever thought about this, are you sure that's right, but okay, you know, I'm not here to fix you, it's just we're all in this together, how how much better, more effective we would be at even reproving each other if we did it as family, if we did it as those who are accepting of others, rather than for us to come to others and go, you know what, I don't think you're a part of this building at all. I think you're a room addition. and It's time for you to get out. I have a full-time job fitting in myself, finding what God has for me. I find that out by being in his word, by looking at Jesus, and by mixing it up with others. That's what the church is. That's what the church does. And that's each of our calling. And if we don't have our preconceived notions as to how this thing comes out, then A beautiful thing happens as God teaches us humility, as he gives us flexibility, he moves us around and next thing you know, you hit your niche, you find your spot, you begin to discover, that's who I am, that's what I'm supposed to do. If you force it, if you strive, it never works. If your eyes are on other people and criticizing them, that's just going to get in the way of what God wants to do. But ultimately, it helps if we start with this fundamental understanding that each of us has a place, that all of us have a place, that we are to somehow find a way to fit together, that God is doing something amazing. The gates of hell won't prevail against it by the time he's done. But it's in process right now. Sometimes it doesn't look like much of a building at all. When he finishes with us, just glorious amazing and that's how it's happening and it helps if when you look across the hall at the other rooms over there you go i see god working there too i'm thankful for what he's doing there what a beautiful plan he has how grateful i am that he didn't make all of us the same if we were all the same you could fit but it would just be a wall wouldn't be a building in order for a wall to become a building, something has to fit in a different way and take a different role. And, and that's, that's the body of Christ, the temple of God, the nation to which our citizenship lies, the family that we're born into when we're born again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting each of us be a part of your church for allowing our church here to be a, a part of your larger church. Your program that you've been working on for a couple thousand years, that you're working on in every country in this world, that you're working on in our county and state and nation and all over this world. And here we are as a part of that glorious temple that when it's finished, it looks like you. Forgive us for the times when we just think that we are the temple, that it looks like us. Forgive us for selling you short. We know that none of us individually, no local body, can ever completely reflect and and depict who you are. But help us to be satisfied playing a role. Help us to be satisfied finding the place where We've been chosen to fit. And Lord, help us to take glory in the big picture when you find us, our place in the small picture. And we just thank you so much. We're so blessed to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.